everybody to Tectonic Takes. I actually have a really special guest today. Um, you guys all know him. He's the original Quakes Talk, you know, Alex Morgan from Black and Azul. What's up, man? Welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. You guys have been doing uh, great work at Tectonic Takes and uh, I'm really happy to join you. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate that. But again, if you don't know him or you, you really probably do, but where can you find where, where can you find your work, Alex? So you can find me on Twitter at quakes underscore talk. Uh, you can find me, uh, my written work is at quakestalk.com. Uh, and I'm also a co-host at Black and Azul. So you can uh, follow all of our channels on uh, Twitter and YouTube and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, and they have exciting stuff coming up this season. I know they're, they're going to meet up pretty soon, right? Is that correct, Alex? Yes, we have big plans for this year and uh, we should be returning uh, in fairly short order. So yeah, do, do keep your eyes peeled for that. Sweet. And, and me as a fan, I'm excited too. So I, I can't wait. I can't wait for the season to start and the Black and Azul team to get back together. It's going to be fun. All yeah, right. Absolutely. So, lots to talk about this offseason, right? So a whole bunch of new faces, uh, kind of familiar faces, I guess, to Almeida, but new faces to us. <laughs> uh, what's, <laughs> what's your, I guess, what's your first generalization of the offseason? How do you feel? Just first, first glance, what do you think? I would say my initial reaction is that I have been underwhelmed thus far mm. with all of the uh, business that the Quakes have done over the off season. Uh, I think that they had a huge opportunity uh, this, this winter to really take the team to another level. They were clearing a lot of contracts off of the books. Uh, Danny, who is in, you know, Vaco, Guram Cascio, tons of players. And they had an opportunity, I think, to replace those guys uh, with some, you know, elite MLS level players. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I think with the business that they've done so far, uh, particularly bringing in trophies for uh, Vaco, and then uh, most recently, uh, Abikasis for Lima. Thus far, I think it's my, my reaction is that it's, it's more taking like two big steps sideways than mm. it is making the team any better. And I, uh, with all the other moves that, you know, the, the teams around them, particularly in the Western Conference, are making, mm-hmm. you know, I'm concerned that that won't be good enough this year to make the playoffs again. Uh, yeah. Now, there is still time left before the season starts. You know, preseason is starting basically today, the day we're, we're recording this. Yeah. Uh, there is still time left. And I think if the team goes out and into the transfer market and, and fills one of the DP spots that they have with, you know, either a DP number nine, or a, a DP level center back, um, then I think that will make the team, you know, substantially better. And, yeah. and I can see them being, uh, you know, a real force in the Western Conference this year. But thus far, I, I'm a little bit underwhelmed with the moves they've made this winter. And, and, and I should add that, you know, they've done a, a lot of moves that they've made um, having positive, I think, bringing back Chris Wondolowski for mm-hmm. another year is fantastic. All Quakes fans should be happy to see him Returning, bringing back Shea Salinas, I think yeah. was a great move. Um, signing Eric Rometty, I actually think that was a fantastic move. 
uh, that uh, Jesse Fiorinelli and Matias Almeida made. Uh, mm -hmm. But I just think that, that the most important um, transfers that they've made so far, which are Chofis and Abacasis, mm -hmm. haven't really uh, hit it for me. And, and I hope that they prove me wrong. I hope that those players uh, both exceed expectations. Uh, but uh, right now, uh, I, I'm a little bit underwhelmed. Okay, and that's and that's fair. Do you think that Chofis's ceiling is the same as Vaco's? Uh, do you think that maybe Chofis will mix better with this group with these group guys, or is it? Do you feel like it's going to be like uh, maybe it's not the bounce back year we all expect? I mean, Chofis is obviously a very high risk signing, mm -hmm. right? Uh, given the recent history he's had in Chivas, uh, you know, he had a lot of disciplinary issues there. He sort of lacked reform for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very high risk signing. And so that concerned me, n number one. And, and number two, I just see him as a very similar player to Vaca. I see that mm -hmm. as very much a like for like replacement, both in terms of the playing style and, and sort of the ceiling that they have. If you look at Vaca's numbers over the last couple of years, they haven't been terrible. Yeah, He's had of streaks of form where he actually uh, – contributed you know a lot to the team um but he never really heated up and he never really took the team to the next level right and, and my concern is that trophies uh is is kind of more the same and that mm. he won't be able to uh significantly he won't be a significant improvement on vaco um and again i hope he proves me wrong yeah but uh that, that that's sort of how i see the the, the transfer so far yeah. Even if it's a like for like, do you think that the team chemistry will be a, a tad bit better on that offensive side with Trophies uh, kind of stepping in with Fierro maybe combining with Espinosa a little better? I mean, I mean, I really hope so. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, the, the transfer policy that Matias Almeida has, which is basically only signing players that have played for him before. Yeah. Otherwise, it seems kind of stupid, right? Right, right. <laughs> you hope that there's the advantage. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, he's already played with Almeida. Almeida, you know, he's a known quantity to Almeida yeah. uh, and that he can integrate into the system and into the team really seamlessly, right? That is the yeah. uh, benefit of, the purported benefit of the, the system, uh, sort of the transfer recruitment strategy that Almeida has had. So I, I hope so. Uh, and yeah, I, I think there's a good chance that that yeah. happens. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. Yeah, right. We'll see. It's going to be matters. exciting, right? So yeah. Um, so talking a little bit about Luciano Abacasis and Nick Lima, looking back on the Nick Lima trade in retrospect, does this look like a good trade to you? Cause we got Luciano Abacasis or does it look more of a kind of, to me, it looked a little bit like a backup plan. If we were going to get Lyon, I mean, if we traded Nick Lima, we should have had a, a plan in place. Right. So it's nice to know that they did have a backup plan and we got Luciano Abacasis in my opinion. Yes. Um, it's good that the, uh, the team got somebody to replace yeah. Nicolima. That's not always a given with the yeah. Quakes, right? But um, I I think given the situation, it's uh, a decent piece of business. I just think it's a, unfortunate that the Quakes got put in the situation or, or created the situation in which yeah. they had to sell Nicolima at all. A couple of years ago, right. he was one of their most promising young players. You know, mm -hmm. He's played for the U.S. men's national team, still got a lot of years left in his career. And I think he was happy in San Jose. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that the Quakes had to sell him, the fact that Matias Almeida couldn't make it work with him. And, you know, from the start, Matias Al Almeida didn't really favor Nick Lima. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was Matias Almeida's first season. Uh, Nick Lima went to the U.S. men's national team camp, January camp, instead of preseason in Cancun. 
And it just felt like, you know, right from the start that got off on the wrong foot mm. for them and their, and their relationship never really looked like it, it recovered. And so that's really unfortunate that the Quakes had to let go of Nick Lima. And I think mostly because you're not going to really get an upgrade over yeah. Nick Lima. You're not going to be able to find another young um, national team level sort of mm. local player to fill that role. Right. Um, and I, I think that Abakasi is probably a downgrade, mm. right? Uh, he, he's uh, over the last couple of years, he's been playing in, in Paraguay, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't really had a ton of minutes at, at, at a top level team. And in, in part because that's because of, of COVID and mm. uh, the restrictions and, and sort of transferring teams uh, at the beginning of 2020 and all the, yeah. the scheduling issues that, that Paraguayan leagues had. But also it's because, you know, he, he had a, he, I think he was best uh, from around 2016 to 2018 mm-hmm. when he was playing in Argentina and he's kind of tailed off since then. Mm. Uh, and he's already 31. So it, 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 it doesn't really feel like a, a really strong long-term solution, right. long-term replacement for Nick Lima uh, to me. And uh, I, I think I, I, I'm hopeful that he'll be able to fill that role this season yeah. in that, you know, he can contribute to the team this season, but it, it really feels like a short-term solution to a long-term issue for me. Yeah. I, I completely understand where, where you're coming from. And, and that's definitely what it looks like. Um, maybe they think Paul Marie can step in, or maybe they think that they have some sort of uh, RB for the future, or maybe Almeida is even thinking, Hey, in two years, I'm not here. So that's not my problem. So well, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's interesting that you say that because this was actually the first transfer that sort of made me wonder that myself. I know that um, I, I got asked this on Twitter right, that, that, that some mm-hmm. people were pointing out, Hey, all these one-year deals kind of make it seem like Almeida is going to leave. And I think that actually one-year deals make a ton of sense. Right. Uh, it sort of hedges against a lot of risk. Um, if, if, you know, transfers don't work out, if you have high risk players like trophies or, right. or if you have a ser- sort of lesser known quantities, I think Judson was probably the best example of that yeah. when he came from Brazil a couple of years ago. So one-year deals are usually good, but I don't really see it here because, mm. you know, he's not a particularly high-risk player, I don't think. And I, at least I hope not, because right now he's kind of their only option at right back other than Tommy right. Thompson. And, you know, he's already a known quantity. Matias Almeida, he's played for Matias Almeida before. Yeah. So the fact that it's a one-year deal this time kind of suggests to me mm. that it's a short-term solution and that uh, Matisse Almeida might only be thinking about this year and, and maybe the next year, but not much you know longer beyond that. And it, yeah, and in modern football, if a, if a coach stays at a club for more than four years, right, that's insane. So guys, start getting ready. Uh, start getting ready. Maybe Almeida's not here in two years. So, uh, yeah. but who knows, right? Who knows? Maybe he likes San Jose, the quiet life. You know, he lives. Uh, well, he's talked about that. He does. Yeah. He absolutely does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he has cited that as one of his main reasons for you know, enjoying it so much in San Jose. And I think also something that uh, we haven't discussed uh, that hasn't really been discussed in the Quake community uh, is that I think it's a relatively safe place to be during the COVID pandemic in the United States. It, you know, probably puts them uh, months, if not years ahead in the sort of the line to get a COVID vaccine. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's a lot, a lot safer here than it might be if he uh, played in, you know, other places in, in, in South America or, right. or Latin America. Uh, and so I think that's probably a huge draw for him. And one of the reasons that he decided to stay here this season, uh, and, and maybe that's a factor even going into 2022. Yeah. And, and like you, you completely hit it on the nail. I mean, 
in South America right now, they're still lagging a little bit on the vaccine. So they're going to take a little longer to get back to normalcy while the United States is actually killing it right now. Um, I'm in Japan, but I look at the news all the time and you guys are doing a great job with just vaccinating a lot of people. And you see people on social media like, hey, I got vaccinated. So it looks like things are turning around and we might even see fans this year. Right. I mean, maybe I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm hopeful by, by you know, midsummer or by fall, we can. Uh, we can see fans in stadium uh, stadiums again. I know that, you know, last season, I actually think the Quakes did a great job of getting fans into Earthquake Stadium via the sort of the drive-in yeah. uh, program that they had where you could drive in, watch the game on the lawn, mm-hmm. uh, on sort of the big uh, scoreboard, big screen at, at Earthquake Stadium. And so that was super fun. But, yeah. you know, obviously it's not the same as having fans in person in the stands, butts and seats, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm also just thinking about maybe they just ran out Stanford Stadium the whole year so they can really socially distance people. You know, <laughs> so. Stanford Stadium is one of my favorite stadiums yeah. in the world. So yeah. uh, it's just absolutely beautiful there. So I would be all for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, those tailgates are, you know, the best. So especially for the yeah. Classicos, I was just thinking about the Classicos and man, how nice would it be to have one this year? <laughs> very, very fun memories from, from Stanford Stadium. Okay, so going back to this team, what do you feel like we still need improvements? I know you were talking about maybe a DP level nine or a DP level, uh, you know, center back. Do you think they'll do that? I think Jamin said that they would possibly wait till the summer for a nine, but a center back can be possible right now. Yeah, it's it's difficult because essentially the way they have filled out their roster is that they have a lot of like TAM level players, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about the front line, they have you know, Fierro, Wando, Chofis, Rios, Espinosa. Yeah. Espinosa is more of a DP level player, but they have like kind of four players for three spots and they're all TAM level and they've all mm. started in the past. And so, you know, you think, well, maybe they think they can get away with that. Maybe yeah. they think that's all they need. Um, but really looking at this team, I think to take it to the next level, they, they just need to fill one of those DP spots. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the roster is going to be kind of cluttered and they maybe have a starting level player like, Andy Rios, who isn't in the lineup every every week. But right. that's a good thing, right? That's yeah. a good problem to have. Especially uh, this so year, I, right? Especially this year with yeah. uh, all the scheduling stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, players going away to the Olympics, probably like yeah. you know, Jackson Ewell and JT Marcinkowski. So and, I do think they should. Absolutely, they should. And, and I see the need actually more at the number nine position. I think they would benefit more uh, from a, starting, a new starting number nine. Mm. Um, and that's because... I see the center back situation. Uh, I, I, I think they might be okay there. Um, yeah. Between Florian Youngworth and um, Alanis. As well, they're Alanis. Yeah. They actually put together a pretty decent string of performances mm. in October at the end of last year when they sort of got their uh, form together and they figured yeah. out the sort of starting lineup. They actually, I think, did pretty decently and they, they allowed a little over a goal per game, but I, I wasn't particularly worried about their back line mm-hmm. in that situation. And they also have Tanner Beeson, who did well as as a backup. And then my, my one um, sort of hot take is that I'm hoping that uh, this can be a breakout year for Jacob Aconyridge. I know mm. last season he played uh, one game against the Portland Timbers, uh, and I think I, – it might have been a shutout or it might have been a 1-1 draw. I think it might have been a 1-1 draw. Yeah, it was a very low-scoring game. I do remember that. Very low-scoring game. Yep. The Quakes kind of controlled it, and, and they looked really solid at the back. Mm-hmm. And what was unfortunate is that he went out with injury. That game. <laughs> he went out with like, – I think it was that was the stage of the season where everybody was getting a, an upper thigh injury. Yeah, just a so, knock. Yeah. Yeah, he went out with an upper thigh injury, and we never got to see him again. 
but I'm really hopeful that this year, you know, he can have a breakout year. And so I think in terms of a long-term solution, you know, he could figure into that picture. I think Jesse Fiorinelli could be thinking, you know, if I wait a year, uh, two years, maybe Jacob Aconyridge is the yeah. long-term solution at center back. So, you know, if it really isn't working, then of course they should go out in the summer and, and sign, yeah. uh, you know, another center back. But I'm actually willing to give those four players a chance there. And I think they'll, they're, they're more, you know, prepared and set up for success than, you know, the front line is yeah, at, and at that's, this moment. That's Tanner Beeson, uh, Jacob uh, Conridge, and as well as Florian Numbert and Alanis, correct? Those four? Yeah. Is that, okay. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Tanner Beeson, he, he's had some rough games, but he had a little stretch there where, you know, maybe in two years, this guy could be our center back of the future as well. So who knows? We might have a Jacob and Tanner, you know, pairing in the back. So we'll see. I mean, I don't want to rule it out. Um, I think yeah. that he is a lot later in his developmental mm-hmm. pathway. I think he's already like 23, 24. So I, right. I don't know how much more Rooney has to grow, but mm-hmm. he already is, I think, a pretty solid backup. So yeah, I, uh, yeah I I'm not... I'm not worried about him at all. I think he'll probably figure into Fiorelli's plans for, for the next three, four years at least. Okay. And then, so what's your starting lineup? If the season started today, what's your starting lineup today? Well, I think it's, I think it's pretty straightforward at the back line. You got mm-hmm. to have JT Marcinkowski, Flo, Alanis, uh, Abacasis, and Lopez. I think that's pretty nailed, nailed down so, already. So no Vega, no Vega right there. At all. Nope. I, JT Marcinkowski won that starting spot. We okay. had this conversation a lot on Black and Azul last year. <laughs> um, I mean, Vega will be the starter most likely when JT Marcinkowski goes right. away to the Olympics, yeah. most likely. Um, so, yes, Vega will probably get that starting spot uh, back at some point this year. Mm. Uh, but JT is the long term um, yeah, person for that position. Definitely. So, yeah. And then we're looking at the starting now midfielders. Who do you have? Uh, definitely Jackson Ewell and Judson. They've been phenomenal mm. for the last, you know, two years for the Quakes. Yeah. Uh, they formed a really dynamic partnership. And I think, um, yeah, I think they're locked in. I see Eric Rometty more as a, a backup. Mm-hmm. And, and he's a great backup to have. Yeah. He started most of the last two, three years for Atlanta. Um, and, and again, he will also step into the starting role once uh, Jackson Ewell probably goes to the Olympics. Yeah. And that, um, but, that's what. That one's very likely compared to the JT one, but JT is yeah. probably going to. Yeah. Yeah. They both figured into the uh, uh, recent, they just announced like the, the qualifying for the qualifying games. They were both in like the 23 man roster. So yeah. that's a good sign uh, for both of them. K Powell was not, even though K Powell mm. was in, I think the January training camp, he was not, I don't think in the, uh, the roster for the qualifying games today. So I don't expect that he uh, will, will, will make the, mm. the Olympic roster. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, but yeah, yeah I think uh, Eric Romani will fill that role uh, once once um, Jackson goes to the Olympics, and you know, opening day. I think it's got to be uh, Jackson yeah. and Jackson, though. Yeah. Okay. And then on the wings, who do you have? This is where it gets tricky. I think yeah. um, Espinosa is obviously starting yeah. on the right. I think he has a lock more than anybody else in the team. Um, on the left wing, I think it's up for grabs. I mm. really do. I think Carlos Fierro played well at the end of last season. I think he started to show signs that he could really uh, take that coin, that starting spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's up for grabs. I think uh, Kate Cowell could, if he's mm-hmm. continued to improve at the rate that he has been improving over the last couple of years, yeah. I think he could uh, make a you know significant case 
a really good case for that to be his starting spot. Uh, and then Chase Salinas. I, yeah. I, I I still think that Chase Salinas in a pinch could start on left wing. So my guess is that he'll go with Fiero. Mm-hmm. And then uh, second in the depth chart is probably Kate Cowell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's one of the spots where, where it's sort of up for grabs. And some people have actually been saying, hey, you know, the Quakes should really go out and buy another left winger. Some mm-hmm. people are saying that yeah. that's a hole. In the left. And I don't really see that just because between the three of them, between Shea, yeah. Cowell, and Fierro, I think they've got it covered uh, for now. Um, but, uh, yeah, some people are a little bit concerned about that. I'm not so so mm-hmm. much so right now. And then in your attacking options, who do you have at your 10? And then who do you have a, as your striker? I mean, it's got to be Chofis at, at the 10, yeah. right? You're not going to go out and sign uh, a player like Chofis and not start him not at the 10. So I, I, I would be really concerned if it weren't Chofis, right? Mm. If, if it's not going to be Chofis, that means it's a total bust, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I anticipate that it's Chofis and then hopefully, fingers crossed, a DP9. If not, it's probably going to be I actually really don't know if they don't sign a DP nine. I really don't know if they're going to start uh, Chris Martelowski or Andy Rios. Right. And the reason is because Rios is much more of a number 10. He's, mm. he's much more of a, I, I think he's really, he's not, he's not a like for like uh, with sort of uh, trophies, but they're kind of similar. He plays similar roles. Mm. So to have both trophies and Rios would be a little awkward I right. think so. I, I'm not entirely sure uh, um, if they don't sign a DP nine, who will start up top. I guess right. it'd be Rios, mm. but uh, it could be Wando as well. Yeah. And Andy Rios was kind of stepping into that Magnus Eriksson role at the end where he was making those long diagonal balls um, that was starting to happen at the end of the season. So he was looking okay in that role. So maybe he comes in as a sub for trophies. If he's a little tired or yeah. maybe he's not on the best fitness and he needs to get <laughs> subbed off at the 65th minute, you know, who knows? Right. So it's yeah. great to have a player like Andy. I know people are going to hate this, but it's great to have a player like Andy Rios on our bench. Right. So mm-hmm. a, a staff oh. starting, he could be a starting caliber player. I know he's really streaky at times, but I was rewatching some of his goals last year and some of them are wonder goals. So maybe if he finds yeah. some consistency and score some goals, we can see some more goals from Andy Rios. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, as you say, that's a really important point is that he can also play 10 if trophies isn't fit. Cause there yeah. are definitely fitness concerns about trophies. So that's, yeah, I think that's really important to have him there. Uh, as backup in that number 10 role. Right. All right. So what player are you most excited for in 2021? What player am I most excited for? Uh, Well, there's a lot of different ways to answer this question. I am really excited for Jackson Ewell because Mm. he's going to be probably going to the Olympics. And I would love to see him do really well on the international stage and, and sort of make a name for himself in this tournament. I think this is a huge opportunity for him to put himself on, on sort of an international stage and establish Definitely. himself there and potentially even, you know, attract a lot of eyes from Europe. Yeah. Um, I think this is sort of his time if he wants to uh, mm. make that leap. So in that sense, I'm really excited for Jackson Ewell. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the Quakes, I've already said that I am sort of watching out for Jacob Econiridge and also mm-hmm. uh, obviously Kate Cowell, I think. Um, yeah. Kate Cowell, you know, made huge strides last year. And, and I hope he continues to make huge strides uh, this year as well. Uh, so those are probably my three answers. Um, you know, I'm really curious how Chofis is going to do really curious. Yeah. Um, 
if they sign a DP number nine, how that'll work out. Um, and, and also Lopez, right? Lopez had a really good season last year. And yeah. I hope that he can continue to, to improve on that as well. So uh, those are probably the guys I'm, mm. I'm watching for uh, the most uh, right now. Uh, there isn't a clear cut answer for me, but I think, yeah. you know, their season will probably hinge a lot on, you know, if uh, those players can step up to the plate this year. No, definitely. And on a lower level scale, Eric Calvillo actually just got his El Salvadorian passport. So we actually might lose him to the Olympics if they qualify. Yeah. So, so just like how Jackson, Yule might get some eyes on him. Who knows? Eric Calvillo might, might get a large transfer. So I'm coming for him because he performs well in, in Tokyo. So who knows as well, the same, the same situation for Jackson, Yule. Um, yeah, that on. would be awesome. I, I remember, um, I think the last Quakes player to really play on the international stage in a major tournament was, and this is, Way out of left field. I think it was Kip Colby. Oh, yeah, 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 New Zealand. You remember yeah. Kip Colby playing yeah. for New Zealand at the, it was at the, I think he played for the playoff 2017 yeah. uh, Confederations Cup. I mm. think it was the Confederations Cup. I don't know if he played in the World Cup. I honestly don't remember. But, I, I think yeah. it was a playoff game and then they got, they got destroyed. But yeah. Yeah, it's, but yeah, I do remember that playing in the Confederations Cup, Kip Colby, and he wasn't he wasn't our starter, so it was more like, okay, that's that's awesome, you know. I mean, he only ever played like two or three times from the Quakes, if I yeah. remember correctly. Um, so yeah, it'll be cool to have Quakes players, uh, you know, sort of playing in major international tournaments. I guess. Yeah, I mean, if, and if they both make it, I gotta drive myself up to Tokyo and, and go see them. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're 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 local from Japan. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta get the Quakes community some insights. You know, hey, what's what's Jackson doing today? You know, <laughs> camp outside of your team hotel. You know. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, where do the earthquakes land in your standings? Uh, probably. Tough questions. Yeah. In the probably in the bubble again, probably in the you okay. know, seventh, eighth spot. Okay. In, in the Western Conference, um, yeah. I, given that they're sort of, as I said before, made two steps sideways yeah. this year with the Chofis and Abakasi signings. Um, I think they're probably right, right around the same place they've been really for the last, <laughs> you know, who knows how long, right? In yeah, five, right. six years, <laughs> uh, they've been right in that bubble, and I don't anticipate that changing. And you know, I think with a DP nine, they have a really good chance and are probably favored in, in my book yeah. to make the playoffs again. Uh, but they're definitely going to be fighting for that. They're definitely going to be in the bubble. Okay. And what is a successful season for the earthquakes this year? So is making the playoffs of success is getting some silverware, some success, or is making a point like they did last year that they're a hard team to beat a success. I mean, they've got to make the playoffs. Yeah. Their success this season will be determined on whether or not they make the playoffs. And that should always be the case. That should be like the minimum right. expectation uh, for any team in MLS. Uh, so, yeah, I think their success will be in large part determined on if they make the playoffs. And, you know, I might be a little disappointed if they make the playoffs and then get slaughtered like 5-0 mm. or something like they did yeah. uh, back in 2017. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a kind of disappointing aspect given that they made the playoffs last year. Mm. I would like to see them improve on that and you yeah. know, try to make a push for the second round. Uh, but I think right now my expectations are probably first round of the playoffs would be kind of expectations met. Uh, and I mean, who knows? I, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, whether or not last season was successful. And, and I think it was, yeah. uh, and you know, whether you know, fans even wanted Matias Almeida to stay mm. given all of the rumors surrounding his, um, mm. You know, all the rumors linking him to the Chile national team, Monterey. But, but uh, I think a lot of that 
has to do with uh, if there was a season because I even had Flo on like last week talking about if he's looking at playing at overseas for a couple of months. So I, I think that rumor mill was all because of the whole CBA right. situation. Right, right, right. Yeah, definitely. But, but my point was that, you know, even if the Quakes don't have a spectacularly successful year, mm-hmm. what I've learned to appreciate about having Matias Almeida as a coach is that it will be phenomenally entertaining either way. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, having covered the team during the Dom Kinnear years, and I think Dom <laughs> Kinnear is a criminally underrated coach. And, and I really liked him as a person. And I thought his teams were pretty successful. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it wasn't the same level of entertainment. Right. You know, every Quakes game that I watch now, I, I turn on the TV or I'm at the stadium and I think I have absolutely no idea what will happen in this yeah. game. The Quakes could win 5-0 or they could lose 5-0. Uh, it's, you know, at the flip of a coin. So I've really learned to appreciate, uh, you know, that entertainment and the fact that they are so, you know, electric and so exciting. And so even if they don't have an incredibly successful year, I'm still very, very much looking forward to it. Yeah, and I, I turned on the J-League here because the first game of the season was, I think, last week. But I turned it on and I was like, oh, man, this looks like Earthquakes football, you know, pre- Almeida so I'm like oh man I need to experience I need to actually cherish you know Almeida football because like you said it's entertainment and I was like man I'm falling asleep watching this J-League but you know (laughs) you got to do what you got to do but seriously we do need to appreciate the entertainment value if we lose seven to one we're gonna feel that loss really hard but when we win the next time it's gonna be like oh man like all this weight so it's definitely really entertaining and absolutely to round this off I mean we appreciate you coming on. The last thing we're going to ask you is what's your tectonic take of the 2021 MLS season? I know you said a hot take, but maybe this is a little bigger than that hot take. Tectonic take. Ooh, oh my Lord. Uh, <laughs> I might have to think about this one for a little bit. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I, I'm, I'm the biggest Andy Rios stand. All right. I'm going to say this. I think Andy Rios is going to have more than 10 goals a season. All right. <laughs> That's not, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's actually reasonable. I, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of mm. possibility. Um, hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Vega and gets a green card. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, well, actually, we can talk about that for a second. Because yeah. I think that is really incredibly important. Right. If they're not entirely sure that Vega is going to get a green card, then re-signing oh, wow. Vega was a bad idea. Yeah. Because... You know, that is a really valuable international spot. Definitely. Um, and, you know, they might have to trade to get another one to, to fill out all their roster needs, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important that Vega gets a, a green card. And it would be uh, – it would have a tectonic impact. If yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> on, on the way that, you know, Fiorinelli tries to tries to construct uh, his roster. Um, I would say – that my tectonic take mm-hmm. is that Chris Wondolowski has another double digit season. Okay. I think it's in him. Okay. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's not a tectonic take. No, no worries. No worries. He's done that for the last like five yeah. years. But um, I think, I think he has a lot of, uh, still has a lot of doubters. So yeah. I think he's still got that in him. I, I, I would absolutely love to see that happen. Jamin was on the pod last week and he said, he's going to have a 15 goal season. Do you want to, do you want to say 16? Goals. No, <laughs> I'll go say, ah, do I want to over or under on that? I'll take I'll, I'll take a fourteen. I think he's okay. got thirteen or fourteen goals in him. And actually, that's dependent on if the Quakes sign another nine. Mm. If they don't sign another nine, I think he could go fifteen plus. But if they do, wow. And then Chris Barnabowski is the backup. Uh, then yeah, probably closer to 12, 13. 
All right. Well, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Um, again, where can people catch you? Black and Azul, right? And? Yes, Black and Azul. You can find me on Twitter at quakes underscore talk. Uh, my written work is on quakestalk.com. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this season and appreciate the opportunity uh, to join you on the show. Yeah, and thank you. And all I have to say is go Quakes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Teutonic Takes. I actually have a special guest or... Como se dice, what's up, my gente? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we have uh, Carlos Eustis from Telemundo. What's up, Carlos? How are you doing today, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, how are you? Thank you, everybody here in Tony Takes. Uh, really happy to be here. Uh, I mean, I'm, I used to say that I was really fresh to the area. Like, I still, <laughs> I think the pandemic kind of messed it up because I moved here in 2019, like the end of 2019. Mm. And that whole year has flew by, but I'm like, oh, I just got here. Yeah. Wait a second. It's almost two years. All right. <laughs> no, you haven't experienced the full, I guess, San Jose feel or Bay Area feel. So definitely, um, hopefully when this pandemic passes along and everybody gets their vaccine, you can finally experience everything, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I was just talking about it today with the, with the, with the Jersey launch that they're like, wait, so you have you haven't been to the food trucks in at the stadium, and I'm like, right. I literally cover like right on that last run when they were trying to make it to the playoffs and they yeah. lost to the Timbers and they couldn't, and then last year was was last year. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's as much as as Quakes like I've been able to like sink in and be really with the fans. Yeah. So and we appreciate all the work that you're doing. I know you do a lot of. Um, kind of coverage in Spanish as well. Uh, you had Rem, uh, Remedy on your podcast. Is that true? Yeah, we had, we had Eric, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, where, where he talked about, uh, he mainly talked about mate and, and doing <laughs> asado. Uh, that was kind of like what we focused on. Then we talked a little bit about him moving uh, to San Jose and having played with, with Matias, because maybe some people might not know, but Matias was actually the, the, the person in charge of making him a professional soccer player. His, his mm. first break, Right. Uh, as a professional, I was with Banfield, and, and at that time, Matias was was a head coach, so he knows him well. He he's worked with him before, and um, same thing with 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 a new with a new left back. He was he was part of that River team when when Matias was there. So yeah, you know that here and there, but yeah, Eric Eric's a super cool guy. Uh, I think I think he's gonna bring a lot of really good things to to San Jose. And where can they find this podcast if they want to listen to it? Oh, we're on every platform. It's called Deportes al Detalle. It's obviously in Spanish, so. Yeah. If, if you need some titles, I, I can help you out with that. He can switch in your text and help you out with it. But no, uh, we, we cover mostly uh, the Bay Area teams. Uh, we talk about the Quakes a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually coming up. We're going to have uh, Osvaldo Alanis uh, also talking about the, the, what's upcoming for the season, what he sees, and, and also how his life has been here. Because I don't know if you, you follow him. Most of you follow him on social media. You know he's big into gardening. Oh, yeah. We talk about that, uh, <laughs> growing tomatoes, that kind of stuff. <laughs> You know, I got to listen to it. I mean, if, if, if Remedy has some, some secrets on how to make asado or how to prepare a mate the best you can, you know, me being Uruguayan, I might have to see if the Argentinian life is, is the same, you know, so I got, I got to definitely check that out, but um, let's get started on this season preview. Carlos, thank you for your time. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, the team, this team on paper has more talent than it did last year. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I unfortunately think that one of the things that, that the Quays have to deal with is that because of the investment, not having huge names, because I think they have pretty big names in, in general. I mean, yeah. Chris Gondolowski being one of them, but, but you know, it's a very specific way of how they, they acquire him. Yeah. And then the quality abroad, mainly the focus is on their coach. The, it, by, just by following, uh, Matias Almeida has to be the biggest figure there on, on the team. 
but I think every single piece is thought about so they can they can be competitive. And mm-hmm. and yes, they might not have this designated player with the tons and millions of dollars as a salary that that breaks the bank. But I think that there's been improvements a little by little on on how they've been approaching uh, approaching the game and how they've been approaching the seasons. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think last season was supposed to be even better than what it was. There was really the pandemic threw a wrench into the mm. into the thoughts and how how things work out. But it seems like because they got that cushion, they mm. were able of, of cushion quote unquote because they they had horrible results and they they all yeah. suffered it. But <laughs> because they had that that piece in in the middle of that wrench in the middle, they were able to prepare better for the season. Yeah. And, and now they can fight against adversity. So now I believe with Remedy coming in, they are ready. If they lose Jackson Ewell to, you know, the Olympics or if that you'd you know, it gets a knock, they have a little bit of depth to make sure that they just move quickly along the season. I know there's a lot of talk that this season is going to be condensed as well. And during that bad spell of games, you could definitely tell that these guys were winded. I mean, the style of play that Matias Almeida has just makes it so that you are always running full sprint all the time. There's no time off. And if you're going to play two games a week, that's going to be tiring. So what do you think about that? Uh, I actually, uh, I, I get the luxury to be on every single press conference of the team, uh, including including uh, the ones that are previews, the ones after the games. And I think during that spell, it uh, might be in the second or third game, I talked to Matias uh, about that, the, the mm-hmm. fact that that specific little gap, um, no gap, that group of games where they didn't do so well was yeah. when there was the fires. And, and remember, we had a thing with the dust where they couldn't practice and uh, with, with the smoke and then the traveling and then the traveling with COVID. Like it was a very unusual, very unusual season. Yeah. Um, a lot of people sometimes when they think of soccer players, I, I feel like because of the days that we live, we live in now, it's kind of like they think about it like FIFA, right? Mm. They don't see those green bars and they think that the players just recover to that green bar right after a game. And the reality right. is that it's not. I mean, a lot of a lot of, of these these are people. These are right. real people, and they have their own problems and things that they have to think about. And sometimes knowing that, well, you know what? I don't want to get sick. Yeah, that also gets on their head. Uh, it's they, they don't sleep well. They're they're concerned, and and they don't have their best performances. And I think that kind of like piled up on, on the team. At least for that week, and 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 that's why those results started happening. At the end of the day, they own up to it, and they said this is not right because at the end of the day, this is our job. This is what we have to do. We have to give good results, and 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 they they move forward. But there there was a lot of that in, involved. Mm. Okay. Do you feel like this team for 2021 still needs improvements? Um. I think the main, main focus, or at least the main piece that is still missing, I think they need a quality striker. Not mm-hmm. because you don't have one, because you have the best striker that has ever participated in the league, but it's not the same having Chris Wondolowski when he was 25 than Chris Wondolowski when he's just promising you, well, maybe I'll do one more season. Right, well, maybe right. I'll just do one more season. If that's already in his head, obviously the performance can be can be a top. Um, I think that's the one piece that they're, they're, still, they're still missing. I think JT mm-hmm. Marcikansky... And one of the things that I believe, and this is completely like my philosophy on how you build soccer teams, it has to be, I, I call it that you have to have a spine and the spine goes through the middle. Mm. Your goalkeeper, your central defender, your number five, your number 10, and your forward have to be top quality. Mm. Then you can surround them with other players. I mean, if, if you can be like Real Madrid or Barcelona, you can buy the best players ever, go for right. it. 
But right. if you don't, if, if you don't have a luxury, you have to make sure that that spine, it's, it's, it's what brings you together and then you can build around it. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, JT Marcikansky has stepped up. Uh, he's shown, obviously, he's a national team quality yeah. player. He's on, the, he's, he's on the running for the Olympics to, to even start mm-hmm. as, as part of that U23 team. Yeah. You have Osvaldo Alaniz that I think, even though he might not be the fastest player that you see out there, because that's another idea of like how the MLS functions. You have very f- speedy players. You have very mm. fast forwards. And, and sometimes Osvaldo doesn't, doesn't qualify for that. Yeah, He has a lot of experience. He's played in Europe. He's played in Mexico. He's been part of the national team. So that helps you to build. And you can have speed around him. And then he can build that. Definitely. I think having Eric Remedi now, it's going to be a big plus on, on, on the center field because it's going to help you to hold on and, and have that. And you saw it with last season with Judson. Judson was running, uh, doing a lot of, of that sacrifice running. Now you have somebody who, who, who knows tactically a little, it's a little more sound and it will help you there. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's the only, you have Christian Espinosa, like, you know, I think he'll move around that, that area. They're bringing Eduardo Lopez. I will see what happens with trophies. Uh, he's, he has a lot of talent, but he obviously hasn't lived up to his potential. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's it's that that center forward with Andy Rios and, and Wondo Wondo makes it and, and brings those big goals when you need yeah. them, but you necessarily can't rely on him for every game this season. Right. Yeah, and I think they are missing that. They probably thought they brought in a couple of young guys to maybe for Wondo to to kind of groom them a bit to to become this player in two to three years. But if they don't bring in a player, they either think Wondolowski can survive a lot of these games or Andy Rios has a little more in him um, at the nine role, or maybe they can convert Cade Cowell into that striker position, maybe once in a blue moon type of deal. But there has to be something behind the scenes where they want to try out first to see if this can work before we purchased a nine striker. Cause it looks like they might leave that open for the summer window. And it, that might be the case that they want to try something out, but who knows? Maybe time will tell, right? Maybe Andy Rios becomes the starting nine that we always hope for, right? You know, but with 10 qualities like he played last year, but it's time will tell with that one. All right. Um, what is your starting lineup for 2021? Uh, I mean, the, the one that I think it's going, uh, the one that I, uh, I think it's going to be more than the one I, I, I want, because, uh, you know, it, <laughs> We all become coaches, yeah. But it's like it's not that I'm gonna become a coach. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with what the what I think Matias is. It's uh, it's gonna be using. I think it's gonna be uh, Jay Tingle for sure. Mm-hmm. Then in the middle, he's gonna go with Osvaldo and uh, Jungward. Mm-hmm. Hold on. No ah, worries. What's happening? My computer started frozen. No worries. No worries. And then. You think Abacasis on the right back? Honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Abacasis will, will start um, with... Um, Espinosa ah, yeah. on the right? Yeah. Not as, well, Espinosa as a uh, middle. Yeah. No. Uh, Marcos Lopez on the left. Marcos yeah. Lopez on the left. So it's Marcos Lopez, Abacasis, uh, John Ward, and, and Osvaldo. Then mm. you'll have probably Jackson with uh, Remedi. Mm. Espinosa, most likely uh, Carlos Fierro, which yeah. I think he has picked it up and, and he can play on, on that position. And then I think to start, and that, that will be the rotation, it will be Andy Rios and Wondo mm-hmm. or Chofis and Andy Rios. And mm-hmm. I think that's more or less what's going to be like the, the, the solid build for a team. But 
you know, you're going to have times where, where you're going to have Tommy Thompson starting on that right back position yeah. or, or he can even play that, that, that defensive mid position. I, I think that's something that he showed he, he can do. Yeah. Um, and then, but, but to me, that's, that's the starting one. Yeah. So even Paul Marie getting that number three, right. He might actually even sneak into that starting lineup with that number change. I mean, they must think that they're, they have a future in him getting rid of Nick Lima and then bringing Luciano was on a one year deal. And it looks like maybe Paul Marie is the future. They signed him to a new contract. They gave him a new Jersey. That's number three. And possibly that could be the case as well. Maybe sneaking in there, but Tommy Thompson as well can sneak into that right back spot. It, I think that that position is going to depend on the matchup. If we play, if Pavon end up signs with, um, with uh, LA galaxy, if he ends up signing with them, I don't think we see Tommy Thompson at that right back position. <laughs> it's gonna uh, be I, yeah. Uh, I sorry. Uh, I think it's going to depend on on the schedule and not so much of who who they're going to play. It's it's who's going to be fit because I think that's one of the things that the team started running uh, last. And, and Matias mentioned it, that there was a point where he was using a lot of the youngsters. Yeah. Um. That's how Kate started breaking right, into the. Right. That's that's how Jackson started started. Uh. There there was there was a lot of players that he was bringing into into the lineup that he said I don't want to bring him the lineup when I need him. Mm. This is players that are supposed to be developed and they, they're supposed to have. So he needs to have some more robust uh, uh, roster by the time this happens. Because what, what you were saying before, there's going to be a lot of condensed games. There's going right. to be games like back to back to back. And fitness is going to be an issue. Definitely. So that's why you need somebody with experience to, to do it. So I think that's that's more what's going to rely on more than, than oh, let me, th- I think maybe Tommy will be better on this game. I think it's going to be more like, this is my starting lineup. This is where we're going to go with. But mm-hmm. obviously everybody else around it knows that you have to be ready because if there's an injury, right. if there's a card, if there's somebody who's not fit, you have to step in. Yeah. And, and that's, a that's something that the Quakes have never really had. Like good depth is something that this is kind of brand new to us as fans and as analysts and, this is something like where there was days where we had a uh, Cordell Cato sign, starting on the right back position. And then when he went down, it was a, uh, who's up, you know, <laughs> like, like we'll just throw someone out there. But for right now, this looks like a team that's playing exciting soccer and uh, at least intriguing soccer to talk about a little earlier. What you said is we don't really have fame that like that big DP signing the guys that we do have like Carlos Fierro, Alanis and trophies. They're actually pretty famous in the respective Mexican media. So it's um we do have actually it's like we have good bang for your buck players. These are famous players that could eventually um their highest potential could reach a DP contract, but they just have to prove themselves. So it's definitely it's nice to see that we got we're getting these guys on a cheap, especially trophies. I mean, that that was a player two, three years ago. We didn't even, you know, envision getting at the San Jose Earthquakes and we got him on a loan deal. So it's definitely a blessing to have a good player like him. And Carlos Fierro, too, a player like with a great potential as him. Who's going to have your, speaking a little bit about trophies, who's going to have your biggest bounce back season? Who do you think, what player? I mean, bounce back, it's hard because I feel like they they went on on that kind of like dip when they had mm. the bad results, but everybody finished on a, on a high point because that, right. that that um that game on, on the playoffs was, was pretty spectacular regardless of what happened on the PKs. Yeah. Um, just the fact that they were able to come back and, 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 pu- and push it. Uh, I want I want to have I want trophies to have a bounce back more yeah. than who I'm expecting it. Uh, I think it's it's his potential was used all, all those good moments that you saw with trophies that, that people talk about and, and when they thought that he could he could be the next thing for Chivas was with Matias at the helm. Mm. Once Matias left, Chovis just kind of like diluted and he had the problems that we know off the field and, yeah. and 
and, and all those things. And I think one of the things that's going to happen to him that it's going to be a, a, something that really helps out, and, and I actually talked with Osvaldo Lanis about it, is the fact that he's going to come over here. As part of the team, he's going to be a little bit sheltered because mm. he has Matias as his coach, who knows him yeah. very well, and he asked him to come. He has Osvaldo and Carlos, who know him very well, and both right. Osvaldo and, and Carlos are not players that like to party and yeah. they're like, they're like, they have these big names and big things that they do. They don't. They're they're very chill guys. Right. And having that around him, I think, is gonna help out because one of the things that I think was dragging Chuffy's kind of under the water was mm. the people he was hanging out with in Guadalajara. The fact that Guadalajara it's one of the biggest cities in Mexico. Everybody knew him. He's a superstar. Wherever he went, like they will open the door for him. Here is not gonna be like that. He's gonna go to a place and people might be like, oh yeah, that's a that's a Quakes player. And, and so people might not know who he is. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and it's not a party town. We're just right. not a party town. And I don't think it's going to drive to Vegas every weekend. Right. Like that's right. not going to happen. <laughs> so I think all those things are going to help out for kind of change his environment, change the way he's working and looking at things. Mm-hmm. And, and that will help out to bring a lot more of him. And especially on the MLS, uh, that it's a league that, that it's a little more open to, mm. to forward play. He, I think yeah. he'll shine a little more. Yeah. And, your comment just made me think about what if what if uh Chofis just walks into like tries to walk into the highest restaurant or the fanciest restaurant in San Jose like dude who's this kid with the tracksuit you know like it's gonna be like who's this guy you know? <laughs> but no yeah it's definitely a different feel he's gonna have to pay for that meal in San Jose not like in Guadalajara <laughs> and even if they don't it's just the way they treat you because I yeah, mean the, yeah. here here you could you could still be you know a professional athlete and, and you yeah. still have a salary that allows you to do those things but right it's not here's the red carpet we yeah. all know who's Chivas and Chivas runs the town like that's the difference like this is, this is not Jimmy Garoppolo yeah, walking right. into any restaurant. <laughs> that's you know that's that's actually really true. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy G could could walk into any restaurant. That's for sure. Um, okay. Well, where do you think the earthquakes are gonna land in the standings? So, what place do you think? It's hard to tell just because the West is so loaded. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, when you look at the teams, some of the, te- the teams, the mo- the, to me, the most amazing teams are the teams that have the, the most power, power, like firepower. They're, yeah. they're mostly in, in the West. Uh, mm. Obviously, the East has some of them. Uh, not, I'm not going to say that Columbus is not a good team. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, on the West, I mean, you have, you have both teams from LA. You have the Timbers. You have Seattle. Like, you have to fight for those, for those spaces. But I think... And this is something all the players have said, at least on, on the couple, like when I talked to, to Eric a couple of weeks ago and then, mm-hmm. and then with Osvaldo, they're not thinking, they're just thinking playoffs. They, they know where they are, they know mm-hmm. what they have, and they say, we're thinking playoffs. Any spot between the eighth and the fifth, right? it's fantastic. Yeah. If we can break over and, and, and be one of the top teams and, and things are rolling, that's, that's, that's great. But that's not what we're going for. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we want to make it to the playoffs, however we make it and then take it one game at a time. So I think I, I, I see them in between those, between five and eight, mm-hmm. anywhere in between. It could be six, could be seven, could be eight, but, but clinching that spot in the playoffs. Yeah, and last year they made it evident that even if we were the eighth seed, we could have really won that game against Sporting Kansas City, and we should have won that game, but we'll talk about that a little later. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just anywhere you land in a tournament like that, where Matias Almeida shines, you can win that tournament. You're instantly a dark horse just because of the coach, just because the band of players, we showed that in Orlando until we hit the, you know, the brick wall of, um, of Minnesota, like we always do, but um, it's just, 
we can win at any point we're in the playoffs. And I understand you're saying the West is loaded. Let's not, let's not, you know, sugarcoat it. It's loaded. So we're going to have to hope for sneaking in. And then maybe we make some splash, we splash some noise in the playoffs, but. All right. And then do you feel the earthquakes are going to bring in another player? I know we spoke a little bit about this earlier, but do you, do you think they're going to bring in another player before the season starts? Uh, I'm not so sure if it's going to be anything before the season starts, mm. uh, just because of how they, they handle, they have media day today. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough unless there's something really good on the table that they can bring, but mm. I, I doubt it. Yeah. Um, like I said, that that spot that I think they're missing it's just something that they're they're missing, but I don't think yeah. they're gonna they're gonna adjust it right now. You said it before. I think they're opening that for for the window in the summer where there's yeah. more possibilities. Definitely, and and they can bring in a splash player at that time with the DP money that they saved up, or or yeah, all the Tam and Gam that they saved up on. But we still need to know where that last international spot is coming from. If uh, Daniel Vega is gonna get a green card, or they're gonna have to buy a green card, and that usually is about fifty thousand to a hundred thousand in Gam, and that might be the last little bit of money we still have. All right, and then last question, Carlos. Thank you for everything. This has been great. <laughs> Um, what's your Teutonic take for the 2021 MLS season? So your Teutonic hot take. Uh, I think the Quakes make it into the, between the fifth and the, and the eighth seed, but then they, they reach at least the semifinals in the conference. Oh, okay. That's exciting stuff. Okay. You hear it. You heard it here first on Teutonic takes <laughs> Carlos. Used, <laughs> Carlos used it says we're going all the way, baby. <laughs> but I say it's like, I said, I said, I it's, it's anywhere in between that and semifinals. Like I, yeah. I try, I try to, and mind you, in, in, if you ever listen to our podcast, I was the only one who said Real Madrid was going to make it to the second round of the champions league. Nobody thought it was going to happen. And there they are. Right. So, I'm not saying I'm right, and I'm <laughs> saying I usually pick good picks. But <laughs> okay, and then um, what? Actually, I've thought of a question off the fly. What's a successful season if you're Matias Almeida and the San Jose Earthquakes? I think it's that. I think it's uh, making the to, to consider it successful is making the playoffs in a way that you're not scrapping for it. Mm. That, that it's not like oh, last couple of games we yeah. like scramble and we got there. It's like we consistently had a playoff spot, fifth, sixth, seventh, fourth, third, mm. and uh, and we were always ba- balancing there, making it to the playoffs and have a deep run. Um, I again, I don't think this is a team that has enough talent, mm. and this is not a bad thing. Uh, that it has enough talent to make it all the way to the MLS Cup and be a mm. full contender. I think there's some pieces that it's missing of star power that you always need to, yeah. to be able to contend for that. But it's definitely a team that, because of how Matias manages a group, can give this can be a surprise and yeah. and and they can go deep in the playoffs. So I think if they make it deep in the playoffs, it's there's two things that are going to happen. One is going to show that they're making the right choice by keeping Matias and 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 having him here. And mm-hmm. and mind you, I give him a lot of props now more than ever because he's had really good options to leave. And yeah. he didn't. That's 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 hard. That's I I don't see a coach that can tell you, hey, listen, you can come to a team that spends millions and millions of dollars on players, and you can bring whoever you want from South America, yeah. and says no, <laughs> like I am committed to this. So yeah. I think that makes a big difference. I think the players feel it. I think the players know that because of those choices Matias made on this this half season, now the weight is on them because it's like I made these choices for you. I'm saying because I believe in you, yeah. but you got to respond. 
Right, right. Okay. Well, that, that's a great way to end it. Um, Carlos, thank you for coming on. Where can people find your, your stuff and all your podcasts and all that good stuff? Where can they find you? Well, obviously, because I feel obviously uh, there's there's Quakes fans all over, but most most of them are here in the Bay Area. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you can find them on you can find me uh, Sunday to Thursday on Telemundo 48 on, on your local on your local TV station over the air on cable. Uh, if you have cable, just look it up. Uh, some It's two in some channels is uh, 48 in another 19 mm-hmm. in others. So just keep just keep looking for, for that Telemundo 48. That's every day. And obviously on social media as Carlos Justice. Justice is Y U S T I S TV, and that's everywhere. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, right, right. Your your beautiful TikTok. Wait, wait. Show us the jersey. We forgot about the jersey. The famous right TikTok here. jersey. It's right here. We we have it. I'm gonna here. You're, you, I haven't worn it. I I've been flashing it around all day, right. uh, except for the TikTok. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna put it on. Okay. We got to put it, I got to see, this is the Jersey reveal right here of for Tectonic Takes. <laughs> oh, look at this. I mean, this work, this work, this work for them in, in this work for them in 2001, right? It's 20 years later. Maybe yeah. hopefully the, the, the history repeats. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we need that magic. I mean, we need, we need that juju. We need, we need everything we can get to get a little little run in there to maybe add that third star we, well, we should have four but let, we'll talk about that later <laughs> but no, and, yeah and, and it's really funny because if you think about it again i'm i'm trying not to give a lot of hope but that season when they when they switch uh this organization switch because they switch ownership at that point mm-hmm. they brought a new gm they brought uh jallop who was who was a head coach as, as a new head coach here matthias is already here yeah but then they brought players that it kind of seems very similar to what's happening now because mm. Jimmy Conrad came back from Europe. Jeff Agus came back from Europe. Yeah. And then they had Landon Donovan who made the big splash, but he was a, a younger player that was not doing well in Bayer Leverkusen. Right, right. So, you know, I, I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but there's there's certain things that, that match with that 2001 season. Hey, Carlos Fierro wasn't doing good, you know, so maybe he could be our new Landon Donovan. <laughs> Hey, world champion in 2017 and, right. and, and, and bronze ball on that U17 world championship. So, you know, it's possible. The, the quality is there. Okay. Well, Carlos, thank you for coming on, my man. Thank you so much for bringing that jersey and showing the world the, the reveal. Um, but we appreciate you taking the time and your day. And all I have to say is go Quakes. That's right. Go Quakes. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Hello, welcome to another special episode here at Tectonic Takes, uh, part of the Beautiful Game Network sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. This is Ivan Ornelas, and I'm here with Phil Leva from uh, Quakes After 90. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. We've done some great stuff with Quakes After 90 already. Uh, They're friends of the podcast, and we enjoy listening to each other's content. So the only thing better than listening to each other's content is creating content together. And with the MLS season slowly but surely approaching, uh, it's going to be a fun one tonight. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm, I'm, I was, as soon as you guys contacted me, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be there for sure. So I'm glad to be on it. Yeah. We really appreciate that. Um, yeah. We're excited for, this will be our first full MLS season as a podcast. We started uh, shortly after the MLS is back tournament, which oh, okay. feels like a year ago. And now, even though it's still a little less than a year ago, but it feels like ages ago. 
Yeah, well, I mean, time, it's, it's going to go by quickly. Next thing you know, you'll have been doing this for a number of years, you know? Yeah, and you'll be talking you. about you'll be talking about players who your listeners are going to be like, what? I don't remember that guy at all. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, we'll get a good yeah, night's well, sleep and then it'll be the playoffs tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So. All right. So here we go. So, so what do you got on the docket, man? All right. So we got a couple of quakes related questions. I feel like most of them are quake specific. But we could also, like, you know, some of these answers, we might draw comparisons to other teams and stuff. And then we'll close it out with a bit of a macro perspective on, like, how we think the league's going to go, like, which teams we're going to keep an eye on this season and stuff like that. Okay. All right. So first thing I got for you is, do you agree or disagree with the following statement? This team on paper has more talent on this roster as it stands for this upcoming season than it did for 2020. (laughs) <laughs> man that's a, hmm. more talent I don't know I think there's a, there are some big question marks right mm-hmm. especially when we're looking at the forward position in the midfield like those are the, the ones that I'm, I'm most concerned about if I'm considering what we had last year and what we knew we had going into the season with Magnus Eriksson playing as a, a kind of an attacking midfielder slash forward at times Versus Chofis, which is a huge question mark for me. I'm not sure whether this is someone who's going to pan out in MLS, whether he's going to work well in Matias Almeida's system. Um, considering solely that itself, I would say that last year's was better. Because also, um, Abikasis is also a question mark, and we had Nick Lima last year. Right. So um, I know it's really easy to get motivated going into a season and thinking, oh, this is as good as it's been in a long time. Because we say that every year. <laughs> but right now... The reality is last year's team on paper, I think was better. However, I think there might be a potential for this year's team to be better if Chofis and Abakasis and Remedi, the new additions to the team, can actually perform and, and Remedi can actually alleviate some of the um, the weight that's going to be put on Jutsen's shoulders and that, that sweeper defensive midfielder role. Right. Of those you mentioned, Eric Remedy is the only one that has previous MLS experience. And I think mm-hmm. that aspect of it gives me a bit more calmness because whenever you, in any league, you see a whole influx of transfers where none of them have previously played in the league before, it puts a lot of pressure on all of them to get acclimated right away. Mm-hmm. So at least, you know, if it takes a couple games for trophies to get firing on all cylinders, at least we know to expect from Eric Remedy playing in MLS and yeah. he's going to be something that we can rely on. I do want to add one thing, Ivan. Yeah. Um, it's important to note also that the players have had more time in the system as well. Mm-hmm. So on paper, it might not look better, but in terms of like the reality, once again, the players having the time to perform on the field in full matches, plus all the training time they've had now with Matias Almeida over the last you know, uh, over two years now um, and coming in. So, you know, the players who've actually been together and playing and they were on the team last year and they're on the team again this year. And perhaps they were, they were there previously and going, going through the whole thing with uh, the coaching change and all that, like the team could perform better this year, but if we're just talking about on paper, I don't know. I don't know that it's better than it was last year. Yeah. We'll just quickly run through uh, the roster as as it looks like right now. We have a few number changes, of course, that we've been 
tracking mm-hmm. on Twitter on tectonic takes. Um, goalkeepers JT Marcinkowski with the new number one looks like we're gonna rely on him to be the starter for this upcoming season, which is thoroughly deserved with the likes of Emi Ochoa and Matt Persano as backups. Defense, uh, the big change, of course, is Abacasis. Mm-hmm. And some of the mainstays coming back include Marcos Lopez and uh, Osvaldo Alanis, who's still on loan from Chivas. Mm-hmm. And joining that loan from Chivas squad is one of our new additions, uh, Javier Eduardo Lopez, also known as Chofis. Uh, we get Chase Salinas for another season. That's always fun. Eric Remedy from Atlanta United joining the ranks. Jackson Ewell, we'll see what he can do. In my recent uh, MLS Multiplex article, I picked him as the Quakes player to get the most caps for the U.S. men's national team uh, for the calendar year. Maybe that wasn't the most bold prediction, but I feel like Jackson Ewell will have a few opportunities to show how great he is. And if he stays with the San Jose Earthquakes for all of 2021, if he doesn't join the recent exodus of young players from North America to Europe, then I think we're going to be in for another good season if he continues to develop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tommy Thompson, uh, the man of many positions, he's going to be a key player this year, of course. Uh, we spoke with Flo Youngworth the other day. Um, he was once the center defensive midfielder at, when he came into the Quakes, and he's really made that def- center back position his own here. And then the forwards, we have uh, Chris Wondolowski still at the club, possibly his last season. Hopefully at some point we'll get to have fans back in the stadium if mm-hmm. it is to mm-hmm. be the end for a proper sendoff. And then the likes of Carlos Fierro and Christian Espinoza for that offensive punch that this team at times desperately needed and eventually we got out of them. Right. So, yeah, a lot of uh, – some new faces, a lot of familiar faces. Uh, I'm excited to see how that will blend together. Um, where do you feel we still need improvements? Oh, I, I think it's obvious. The forward position, <laughs> definitely. But I, but also, because of what we have in the forward position, um, Andy Rios mostly, but even Chris Wondolowski, right? He's 38. We can't expect him to perform at the same level he did seven years ago. Um you know, eight, seven, eight, nine years ago, you know, when he was performing at, in his prime. Um, I think that's a huge issue that needs to be addressed. Now, if Rios performs well, then that's a whole nother story. But because we can't anticipate that there will be a lot of goal production from that area of the field, which is where you get it, right? It's mm-hmm. the attacking area of the field. Um, that puts the onus on the attacking midfield and, and the midfield in general. So then that also... Uh, you know, begs the question, do the Quakes have enough in the midfield? So again, to bring up Chofis, unless he has some of the skill set that Magnus Eriksson had in terms of attacking, that's going to be a really big issue for this team is finishing goals. So like you mentioned, you know, uh, Fierro can create goals. Christian Espinosa can create goals. Do they necessarily score them? They can, and they have, but we cannot as a team that the quakes cannot rely on that as a goal source. If um, Andres Rios doesn't perform well in the forward position, that's going to leave it on the attacking midfield. So I would say those two areas particularly, and I've kind of heard other people mention too, uh, this is kind of the chatter I've seen on Twitter is that the center back position could be uh, an issue as well. So we have Alanis, 
you know, we have flow back there. Um, you know, we have a couple other younger options that can, that can slot into the position as well. But I think that could also be an issue if the older guys aren't able to maintain fitness. Right. And when Flo was on the interview uh, recently, he spoke about how he saw what uh, Walker Zimmerman could do uh, last season when he was named the 2020 MLS Defender of the Year. And he compared himself to him in a way where, like, we have our own different skill sets, but we both perform at a high level for our teams. And right. while many people outside of San Jose or even including San Jose, you may not necessarily, you know, if you have to pick every MLS defender to choose from, they'd pick Florian Youngworth, the first out of all those defenders. I think that he's definitely a staying presence. Like if you look at all the uh, MLS defenses, the best ones have that rock in defense. I think Florian Youngworth, he is that rock in defense. He reminds me, um, as I wear the Golden State Warriors shirt as they're playing the huh. Trailblazers tonight as we're recording this. Uh, it reminds me of Draymond Green, you know, he's so, solid defensive contributions. Uh, he can be a good leader out there. He gets a little hot-headed sometimes, but that's what we love about him, that passion. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, but, you know, when you're not a team that's in that top tier of a league, you're always looking for ways to improve and center back would be part of that list too. If for depth, then nothing else. I, I would say that's incredibly important to mention the depth aspect, especially when you have a season that we already know is going to be condensed. There are going to be weeks in which they might have three games in like eight days, you know, and um, you can't necessarily rely on aging legs to maintain through all those performances. So if we're looking at the depth right now for the, the, center back position. I mean, I'm looking at the roster and I see Alan Eason Youngworth, right? The two that I mentioned already. Right. And then we have Tanner Beeson and Jacob Akinurich, who and I Casey believe Wells, Akin if you want to go that deep. <laughs> but what other, what other depth is there? Is, it's is a it position of extremes. we got the veterans and we got young players. You don't have too much in between. And no, there's not. Whereas know. with the midfield, You've got Judson and Remedy that can kind of go back and forth in the, the the central defensive part. And I imagine that if Jackson, when Jackson Ewell is out, I should say, because like you mentioned, he's going to be capped for the U.S. Mm -hmm. men's national team. Uh, they will have something to put in there that could be, I don't want to say comparable because Ewell has a really impressive skill set that is not easily replaceable, but Remedy might be able to step in there. And then we, I mean, there's still... Um, I think a lot for Eric Calvillo, maybe even Gilbert Fuentes to show in that position as well. So um, I, I kind of feel like the bigger issue might be if we're comparing those parts of the defensive um, formation, defensive mid and center back, right? Where we need strong sweepers, where we need people to recover who are very fit and you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but younger, because like, if you're going to stay in shape over a short period of time, you're going to need really quick uh, bounce back, you know, for, for, to, to prepare for the next game. And so I, I think that's going to be, that's going to be an issue to consider there is going to be that, you know, that center back depth. Right. But, you know, maybe Tanner Beeson steps in, he got some reps early on because Matias Almeida was forced. His hand was forced to right. play some of these younger guys and perhaps they have, that in-game experience plus the training experience over the last couple of years in this system, that it's not as big of a deal as I'm making it out to be. So it's just a matter of, you know, seeing what happens when the, when the teams are on the field. Right. 
I think uh, with Tanner Beeson and Jacob Akanyarije, we saw uh, them appear in a few games. And with those young players, you do want to see that involvement increase as each season passes. But you don't want it to go from like five appearances to 25 and hope for the best. You have to have a bit of a plan. Uh, sure. Speaking of plans and lineups, uh, if you had to pick your starting lineup for 2021, what would it be? Okay. So I think the back line is, well, first of all, let's start with the goalkeeper, right? <laughs> JT Marcinkowski has to be your starting goalkeeper. He's the right. best. As soon as he stepped in last season, there was a, there was a change, a noticeable right. change in the team. And he organizes the back line really well. You can hear him. He's like really vocal, especially with, you know, during COVID there wasn't a crowd. So you can really hear the voices around the stadium. Like Marcinkowski is very, you could, you could tell he marshals the team really well from his position. So JT is going to be the goalkeeper starting in my system. Um, if we're going to go with the back four next, I would say yeah. at left back, you're going to go with our new signing, right. Luciano Abacasis. And then the center backs are going to be um, Alanis and Youngworth. Right. And then the left back, did I already say left back? Yeah. Left back probably, he'd be at the right back position. Oh, right. Yeah. He'd be at the right back position. And then the left back is obvious, right? Marcos, Marcos Lopez, Lopez, who yeah. is turning into one of the best players on the team, I think. So yeah. Marcos Lopez would be the, at the left back position. Looking at the midfield, I think you have Judson. And, uh, you know, just sitting right in front of the back four. And then, see, this is where it's a little bit tricky considering right. the skill sets that we have. Now, I think Jackson Yule is a for sure starter on this team. Right. So he has to be starting. Just depends on means, where. If he's like a center mid, like uh, more of a eight or if he's more of a 10, you know. I think he has to be playing as a as an eight um, or, or in some sort of pivot role. Like, because right. that's what he does. He, he distributes really well. He has great poise on the ball. Like those are the skills that he has um, that he brings to the table that are better than a lot of other central midfielders in the league, especially American midfielders. Yeah. I think if he's in that like Darlington Nagby role, like you wouldn't say Darlington Nagby is totally defensive, but he does have that link between defense and attack. Then I think you would fill, fill that role too for the Quakes. Mm -hmm. So that leaves me with four more positions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Christian Espinoza has to be in on the right wing. Right. I and think. And then I, and then you have to have, uh, I, based on the performances that we saw at the end of last season, you have to have Carlos Fierro in there. Right. And, and let's see, that leaves us with two more. Right. So I think looking at the lineup, it has to be Chofis and Andres Rios. Like that's the, that's what we got. That's where our skills are. Now, you know, of course we all want to see Cade Cowell because he's exciting. He's young. He's got all this talent, but is he ready to step in on the first day and, and lead the team, lead the attack? Uh, maybe he is, but I would like to see him come in as a sub first uh, and then perhaps earn that spot. And Matias Almeida's eyes, right? He's going to be the judge of that. Uh, right. We can shout and cry all we want about wanting to see Cade Cowell, but it's <laughs> right. not going to happen, right? We saw the same thing with Daniel Vega and JT Marcinkowski. It's going to be a matter when the coach determines it's the best moment to start this player who is developing in the system. So right. I think it's going to be Andy Rios and Chofis in those last two attacking positions. And then you're going to have uh, Wondolowski off the bench. You're going to have Cowell off the bench. Mm -hmm. And then, you you know, the third you'll have one, your, depending your on the situation. Of, of midfielders. And yeah. Remedy's going to be off the bench too. Right. If you're defending like a 2-0 lead, it's, it's 75 minutes, then you put in Remedy. If you uh, need a, another attacking option in that position, you can put in Shea Salinas. Uh, so yeah. th th that's a good 
situation to be in. You know, you're starting 11, uh, which, you know, we may or may not know. It depends on when the opening season's opening uh-huh. game of the season starts and the lineup we see on the field. And if it goes well, then we get a better idea of what we'll see game two, three, and so forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think the only way I would be frustrated with uh, Almeida's uh, selection dilemma with Kid Cowell is if it's a situation where the defenders of the opposing team are getting tired and either he doesn't sub in Cowell at all, especially if like he only uses two subs that game as opposed to three. And, or if he subs a minute at like the 88th minute, then right. that's the only ways that would be uh, totally. So I think up. that's going to be Cal's specialty. Um, like for this team is, is really coming in late and just adding that firepower. Um, he could earn, I could see him earning a starting spot in the next couple of years, but I think right now that'd be a really good place for him. Um, the one, I think the one area I, I could see an argument for Chris Wondolowski starting in this team too, Right. but being, you know, th- where he is in his career, uh, Rios is probably the better option as much as I hate to admit it. Like he's mm-hmm. going to be the better option there in, in that position. All right. And as for candidates for a big bounce back season, I think there's a couple players that come to mind that I think will want to redeem themselves for at least patches of, how they performed in 2020. I think Tommy Thompson, I'm not sure how much game time he's going to get, but he's going to have a point to prove that he still has a a role to play for the Quakes. I think both center backs, uh, Youngworth and Alanis, they're going to hope to be more healthy and consistent in the lineup to start with, and then to not have too many games where they concede multiple goals. Yeah, yeah. If we're talking about players who are already on the team, yeah, I would agree um, just about with everything you said mm-hmm. there. And I think even Christian Espinoza has a little bit to prove in terms of his finishing. Could you imagine if that's an element that he brings to the to the team, his finishing goal? I mean, because he did. He, he scored some goals last season, but oftentimes he spoiled his chances. So, yeah, I can I can see that. And also Chofis, right? Mm-hmm. He's, <laughs> I mean, we saw the memes, right? You type in Chofis, and one of the first words that comes up is Gordo, which is totally uncool. But I'm just saying, like, he has an opportunity to come here and show that he is a quality player right off the bat and lead this team, right? Coming from Chivas. Right. I mean, thankfully, he's not Real Madrid, so it wouldn't be at the same level of abuse as Eden Hazard's getting on the internet. But still, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even think we need to translate the word Gordo for our English-speaking listeners. They know what yeah. that means. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's not a great sign when you, that's one of the few searches that comes up for your new signing, especially with the San Jose Earthquakes. You only get so many signings compared to some other clubs. But, yeah, I think there's a way for him to fuel that negativity into positivity for him. Definitely. I think this is a good environment for him to have a new start. I think there's a couple of I think the fans are behind him. Yeah. There's a couple of former Chivas players there to help, uh, you know, him with the transition from Guadalajara to San Jose, which, you know, are two very different cities. Um, So next we have, where do you think the earthquakes land in the standings? And we'll just say Western Conference because it would be too complicated to say within MLS. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, uh, this is I hate doing these kind of predictions <laughs> because what I want to say is they're going to be at the top of the standings. That's what I want to say. I really. That's what we all want it. to say. <laughs> That's what I want, and I I do that in my heart, you know. But if we're gonna try to step aside and, and be objective here. Um, if the team performs well as a team, which to me is going to, a lot of the onus is going on to Chofis, like I said before, 
and also into, into the four position. If that clicks, I could see them up there. But uh, the reality is I think the team finishes uh, mid to lower, lower mid table. I, th- I would be happy with mid table, like mid table is a great place I, And to I think be, that's, I think. that's a, yeah, that's pretty optimistic. I mean, I'm a Quakes fan and mm-hmm. I, I would say, yeah, but I could see them finishing lower for sure. There's a lot of competition in the Western conferences. I mean, right. You have the LA teams. I know the galaxy are trying to bounce back and I know, I mean, LAFC is going to be good so long as they have Bob Bradley as their coach. You've got Portland, Seattle. I mean, they're just, it's just stacked in the, you know, in the, in the Western conference. So. Yeah. If you uh, can, if you're you to say that five of those, moves, like spots RSL, are, so. yeah. If five of those uh, seven spots, according to uh, what I'm looking at, it's looking like the top seven from each conference are the only guarantees to make the playoffs this season. Uh, if you can think five are going to be chopped, chopped up with sporting Kansas city, Minnesota, Seattle, Portland, and LAFC. And now we lose two spots left for the West, rest of the Western Conference for who knows what LA Galaxy is going to look like, if they're going to be a mess again or they're going to get their crap together. Um, FC Dallas, they are doing great at producing youth players, but can they produce yeah, players to stay they, for MLS? Austin is a wild card, of course. Colorado Rapids, they have a lot of exciting young players that they're going to be tough. Yeah, so, yeah. No, they they do. I actually we didn't even mention Sporting Kansas City, right? Which is was one of the better teams in the league last season. So, mm-hmm, exactly. and then Minnesota. I mean, they've been playing incredibly under Adrian Heath. He finally got right. some talent, and they've just been solved. Yeah, I don't see the Quakes surpassing these teams. I would love to see it. I want to be clear about that. I would love to see it, and uh, if it happens, man, I'll just be like right up there with every other Quakes fan cheering them on. And, yeah, I'm looking right now cup. like seventh or sixth, uh, seventh or sixth place at the best, and maybe like eight or ninth. We, we have we have 13, 13 clubs in the Western Conference right. coming up. So right? like, there's a couple like you know, I don't think will be worse than Real Salt Lake or Houston Dynamo, but I think that's the only guarantees I would give. I don't know, man. I don't know if those are guarantees, but uh, time will tell. Right. I can see the Quakes landing at eighth place. Yeah, eighth place. I think. I think that's that's gonna be that's my official official prediction i hate right. doing predictions but that's my official prediction is the yeah. land on at eighth uh, it'll, it'll be kind of disappointing but you know what um like i said i believe on paper they're not as good as they were last year but i think the potential considering the amount of training and the games they've had together and the x factor which is trophies if that if that pans out this team could really be functioning on like full cylinder like they did during the mls's back tournament last year so right. i think time's going to tell i think a lot is going to be on Chofis this year on Chofis, uh more so than it was on jutson last year and jutson has somebody to help re- replace him you know so he can recover uh for more games so yeah if Chofis plays well this team could go all the way up to the top yeah so as far as player acquisitions i think at this point for all mls teams what they have right now is what they're going to go into in the season uh, they may ha- get some like free agents from like USL teams or something. Yeah. But as mm-hmm. far as major transfers, we probably won't see any until the summer window. The summer, right? Do you have like a player, like maybe not like a idealistic choice, but like maybe you know more realistic that you think you'd love to see Quake sign? Um, I don't. I don't have a particular player in mind. No. Yeah. If I mean, if I had taken a moment to to research a little. But prior to the question, I could probably come up with somebody. Yeah. Um, 
No, just but, one of those like gut feeling sort of things, like if you had one. But. Yeah, no, I don't like just like any player that could step in. Like I think it would be cool to see the Quakes have a really solid forward so that it takes some of the pressure off the attacking midfield to create or actually finish those chances themselves. So I don't know. I mean, just pick a pick a solid nine to step into this team and perform. You yeah. know, and, and somebody besides Kai Kamara, like I like Kai and everything, but he, he's kind of like at that would be like having two Chris Wondolowskis and <laughs> and the striker core, right? Like we don't really need that um, right now. And, and like and and Kai's at the end of his career, like Wando is, is what I'm getting at. But yeah, um, a solid nine would be awesome. Um, I I don't know, man. If you want to pick a particular player, I can't really think. <laughs> no, of No, it's okay. Um, it was just yeah. kind of like you know, if you wanted somebody in particular, because I know. If, Fabi has some ideas. Um, sure, sure, I think, sure. Um, I mean, could we get a 35-year-old Falcao? That would be kind of cool. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. It I would think. be interesting. I don't know. I mean, he's done. He's he's, yeah. <laughs> he's done, but it would be fun, I guess. It's all some jerseys. But he right. he probably cost too much, and it wouldn't benefit the team enough. So. Right, exactly. Um, it's a tough question for me to ask because there's so many different, like, leagues and players out there that you could ask right, for. Right, right. I, I mentioned a different podcast, uh, I think, a few months ago that Andres Guardado would be a fun DP signing, but I think even now, like, sure, he's, he's kind of getting up there in age, too. He's so. in the twilight of his career as well. Yeah, Javier Aquino, whenever he's done bouncing around the Gamekis teams, it would be fun. <sighs> yeah, that'd um, be fun. That'd be fun. All right, so I think overall, though, like, the rosters at place were like, I want to see what they can do. Um, we don't have to like tweak too many things or like be like, oh, there's like seven players that we need to replace. I don't think that's no, I don't think we're at that point. Yeah. And do you have a tectonic take for the 2021 season? Some like a bold like statement you <sighs> want to make. It could be Quakes related, it could be MLS related. Hmm. Quakes or MLS related. Okay, um, I think we are going to see Austin FC make the playoffs. Okay, yeah, uh, I think I, that's I a think good they've goal. Got some, they've got they're they're they have a pretty impressive looking roster already. Um, yeah, here's a, here's a tectonic take. I I don't think Miami is going to make the playoffs. Even I was with thinking that too. I even was, with Iguain, um and uh, uh, what's his name Pizarro and. Yeah, uh, and they yeah. just posted David Beckham sitting out watching the team training uh, <laughs> this morning. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're good enough to make the playoffs. I think there are there are way better teams in the Eastern Conference. I think they're a bit like an unbalanced squad. I think that could be uh, a bit of a uh, roadblock for them. Mm-hmm. I think my tectonic take is um, LAFC will get knocked out uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Okay. I don't know why it's going to happen, but I feel like LAFC, they have this kind of uh, feeling that they deserve to have more success than they already have. And like, mm-hmm. they're a great team, but even if you're one of the best teams in MLS, you, you still got to remember LAFC has only been in the league a couple of years. So they still got plenty of time to get their first MLS cup. That's a pretty big take. That's a pretty tectonic take that you got there I, yeah because I, we were listing a bunch of western conference teams and i think uh-huh. that there's some of those sneaky teams like minnesota united and sporting kansas city they're going to be one of those solid teams where like you maybe you don't know too many of those players off the top of your head mm-hmm. but the collective 
parts are, are stronger as a unit than they are individually. And then well, that's, that's what I'm hoping for with the earthquakes this season, because I think that's what we're going to need. I mean, I, and even even if the quakes bring in a designated player, I would rather have somebody who's not a huge name at this point, considering we're under Almeida's system um, and have a bigger bigger impact and actually contribute to the team. Right. So right. Maybe that's why I couldn't think of any players that I would necessarily want, because um, if you if you were to just take somebody that I hadn't heard of but found success in Argentina and was one of the top players in South America and you brought him in and he fits into the system perfectly, well, then that's that's what I want rather than bringing in uh, somebody you know, who's a really big name is just going to sell jerseys and might not contribute to the team. Some, I thought I did have, uh, maybe not just for San Jose Earthquakes, but I think MLS in general, is that lately the trend has been to get a lot of South American and Latin American players. And I thought back to uh, in the 2000s, particularly the early 2000s, mm-hmm. MLS had strong ties with Australia and New Zealand. We were getting players like Ryan Nelson, Simon Elliott, Tim Cahill, and so forth. Right. Even recently, Seattle Sounders, they won an MLS Cup with Brad Smith. I think with uh, – Young Australians in particular, I've seen a lot of them, they've made the jump right away from the A-League to like some prestigious European leagues. Mm -hmm. And a handful of them have been able to transition, but some of them get lost in the shuffle. So I'm thinking the A-League is a growing league too, as along with MLS. But if they went from A-League to MLS and then they've seen the pipeline, the MLS to Europe pipeline has been a bit more successful lately. I think that that would be interesting. I think there's some young players in uh, Australia that I think um, could be interesting. Just thinking of if Daniel Arzani, he went to say New York city instead Mm -hmm. of Manchester city, you'd be an interesting player to see in MLS. So that'd be an interesting route to take. Yeah. I, I think there is a lot of untapped talent there, but I do feel that, or I, I believe that the a league is still years behind MLS. Yeah. And my preference would be for MLS teams to continue to develop their talents through the, the their players, their talent through the academy system, right? Um, rather than have to rely on anybody, let alone Australia, New Zealand, yeah. anywhere else in Oceania or whatever, uh, I, Polynesia. But it's like, uh, I think I want to see the, the talent come. And then in, in terms of like, contract management budgeting and everything. I think it makes a lot more sense for the quakes to be able to do that. Plus right. you don't have to worry about the international issues, which aren't just sports related and, and uh, contract related and, and team related, but there are also issues that come up in terms of the players, you know, can they even come here to the States and get uh, a green card or, or, you know, can they get a work visa or, or whatever, you know, so there's, there's so many questions surrounding that. So, Right. Yeah, if there is a pipeline that's established, then I would say yes, I would agree with that. And right, but I think right now that is it's looking like it's Argentina. T- right. Looks like it's that pipeline. Oh, definitely. It was just a thought I had. Um, sure. Also, speaking of more local talent, I think uh, Gilbert Fuentes is also another player for San Jose Earthquakes that we're gonna look forward to. He can mm. be another one of those like maybe he won't play in as advanced of a position as uh, K. Cowell or Siad Haji, who we haven't mentioned yet. But right. uh, I think he'll give us some good minutes throughout this season. I think it's possible. I, although um, I think Eric Calvillo has a lot yeah. to show still. Right. And I, I honestly, if I had to pick between the two at this point, I would say Calvillo would be the right. one that we're going to see more often. Yeah, but, more established. Uh, point is, has potential. Got to give him that. Right. And he's shown some. He's shown some talent. So. Right. So um, I guess the last question I'll ask is that. Uh, 
Do you have any other um, expectations or thoughts about, you know, the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference or MLS in general? Um, oof, just general MLS stuff in terms of expectation. I, I think... I think we might see a blockbuster move um, at some point this season that we don't often, I don't I'm hoping that maybe we'll get a name that takes us into the next phase of MLS. The league, the league is expanding. I, I don't know that we've had that since David Beckham was, right. was the last one. Um, I mean, there are a couple really big names in Europe right now. I mean, there's this, there's this guy who plays, uh for this team called barcelona <laughs> he's where's the number 10 oh no oh my gosh that'd and, be interesting uh, i mean look if mls wants to move into the next phase right going to a bidding kind of, war with manchester city over Messi. That's the kind of signing that's gonna do it <laughs> oh man Although that would really shake up the league something to that extent but I think that would be, I mean, just an idea, like you were saying, you know, since yeah. we're in here a little bit, something like that. I think it's more likely that we would see uh, number seven from Juventus come over here to the United States to play before we see Lionel Messi. But um, man, a signing like Messi or Ronaldo would be a, a big deal. Still, <laughs> even at their eight, you know, even though they're starting to get up there, they still perform. They're still some of the best players in the world, <laughs> right? If not the two best players in the world. Right. I think so, uh, um, Mbappe is coming for that crown, but not just yet. Not quite yet. I could see. I mean, if NYC actually had a stadium, I could see Messi going to play for NYC. Right. It's still very far-fetched to see him want to play in listening, They're like, well, no, that's crazy. But hey, when David Beckham signed at like 30-31 for LA Galaxy, um, you know, back in 2007, I think it was, right? 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when, when Pele went and played for the New York Cosmos. Right. Those were, those were like huge, but also there's a, there's a place for American soccer that we're starting to see exist that hasn't yet been fulfilled. Right. We're starting to see American players make it in Europe and play in the top leagues and start on those teams. Like people take that for granted. Mm -hmm. Newer soccer fans, people within the last 10 years, they, um, they watch the game and then they, they turn on their TV and they see Christian Pulisic, right? They mm-hmm. see guys starting for the, but that's like insane to me because even the best players, when I first started watching soccer were like guys like Lennon Donovan. And where did he end up going? He went to Everton, right? Mm-hmm. Where did Clint Dempsey end up going? Fulham. He going to Fulham. Exactly. And I had a brief stint at Tottenham, but Tottenham wasn't the Tottenham that we have today back then. Yeah, it wasn't Harry Kane's Tottenham. <laughs> no, it, it certainly wasn't. And there were some guys that, that played, minutes and, and big leagues brian mcbride right mm-hmm. we had steve chirundolo played all that time in the bundesliga nobody demarcus beasley him. had some champions beasley runs. had his time so yes but the the point i'm trying to make is that they weren't playing for the best teams in the world right in the best leagues in the world like weston mckinney is right now for juventus yeah. who's arguably the best team in the world He's playing for them and he's starting for them regularly along Serginho, Serginho Dest on Barcelona. Serginho Dest on Barcelona, right? The fact that like I even left somebody as obvious as that out of the conversation tells you all you need <laughs> to know, but we're taking this for granted. So if you think it's kind of a joke that I bring up the big names to come and play in MLS within the next year, consider that the game is shifting in this country. And all I think right. it's, a, it's a big move. It's a big move to have the United States be an ideal place for guys to come and play their trade.
even if they're um, in, in their 30s or whatever. I think where MLS is headed right now, I think that the, even if uh, Don Garber will never admit it in a million years, I think there's a bit of a uh, acceptance that we could be the North American Eredivisie or Argentine Premier League or the Brazilian Serie A, where we have Absolutely. some talented players and we're developing them for Europe too. I think that USA and Canada as well. Canada is, you know, having one of their good spells of producing a lot of great there, players yeah, themselves. There, there, there's a renaissance going on right now with that. But th- we're going to see more and more players from, you know, North America and Europe, and MLS will have a big say in that. And I think there's some big competitions this year, such as maybe a, the Olympics uh, qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers that are going to uh, – be a showcase, not just for those young players, but also a lot of those young players come from MLS. It'll be a showcase for the MLS clubs themselves. And there'll be more and more eyes from around the world watching as, you know, people start to connect the dots and realize, you know, Weston McKinney and uh, Reggie Cannon, they came from MLS Youth Academies, stuff like that. Yeah. So the talent's coming along. I I think that's so interesting what you said about, uh, some of those other leagues like the Eredivisie and, and the Netherlands and the Brazilian leagues. And I think MLS is creeping up. And I, I, in terms of like generational fan support and pure talent, I don't know that MLS is on par with a league like the top Brazilian league. Right. But I don't think they are, but I, they I can be similar. Yeah. But it's getting, it's getting there. It's certainly, it's certainly getting there. And some of the squads that play in MLS can beat the squads that play in Brazil. And some of them can do it, can do it handily. I, I know, I know like last year's Columbus crew, for example, can probably have beaten a lot of those teams. Um, but you know what? There's still a way to go. And first of all, like MLS needs to be beating the Mexican teams before we start talking about, you know, right. putting them on that, on that level. So, right. Uh, and yeah. I think also people don't understand people who aren't MLS fans. They try to belittle them saying, oh, yeah, they're worse than like the EFL championship. And I go like, OK, sure. The EFL championship is littered with players who have played in the Premier League at some point in their lives. That's yeah. a good league just because it's not the Premier League. So like, no, I don't care. The MLS is MLS. <laughs> it's still better than MLS. <laughs> it's like it, a- yeah. But, it's like, a- it's not the insult that they think it is. Like, being an MLS fan, like, you acknowledge that the MLS is a good league, but there are other good leagues out there. Exactly. Uh, it's not just the Premier League that's better than us. There's a couple more. We humble ourselves, but we're proud of the product that we follow and we invest our time in. I agree. I totally agree with that. Yep. Yeah. So, final closing thoughts, I think, for the season. I think this season might be even more unpredictable than last year because Mm -hmm. with the format that allowed 18 of the 26 MLS teams to uh, make to the playoffs, it gives them all a sense of belief because it wasn't until the very end where we're starting chopping off names like, okay, Atlanta United's eliminated, Chicago Fire's eliminated, stuff like that. So every team, I think, in MLS, barring maybe – three or four teams, and even those teams might have some belief that they can make the playoffs this season, even if less teams are getting in than the year before. So I think there's not going to be an easy three points, particularly for San Jose Earthquakes. Like, we're going to have to fight, and we're going to have to try really hard to maybe get a 1-0 win over Houston Dynamo or something, or maybe we come back from two down to beat LA Galaxy 3-2 or something. There's going to be some of those games like that. And there's going to be games 
we may lose like 2-0 to Austin in Austin or something. Like that's just how it goes. Um, I haven't seen the whole uh, schedule. So if that game doesn't exist, I apologize. But I think it's going to be a bit of a bloodbath uh, in the soccer sense that we're going to see some upsets and we're going to see it's going to be a bit of a grind. I think even the big teams, if they start to accumulate enough uh, suspensions, injuries, international call-ups that we're going to really stretch the limits and we'll see some teams rise to the occasion. And I wouldn't be surprised if something, some of a club other than the blue bloods of the last five years or so wins the MLS cup in the end. I'm not saying sounds earthquakes will be that team, but uh, it could be, it's not just going to be within the same candidates of four or five teams. I'm going to, I'm going to reference something that somebody from quicks after 90 said uh, at the end of last season, uh, Sterling, who, who was one of our hosts, who, who shows up on the show um, occasionally. And he always has some really great thoughts to share. Raheem Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> if only. No, uh, no this, this Sterling is way cooler than Raheem. Yeah. He's a good uh, Sterling. Uh, I love Sterling McGarvey. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> So Sterling mentioned that what he thought was really important was the Quakes to sign a number 10 player. Well, right now we have that player with Chofis, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably not who he had in mind when, when he said he need, we needed a big number 10 player. But um, the reason why I think Chofis is so important is because in this league and in this system that we have right now under Matias Almeida, there's going to be so much on that position to perform in order to create chances, to finish chances, and to make the team as lethal as possible, especially when they're going to be chasing. I shouldn't say chasing, but running away from other teams, right? I can imagine the Quakes putting up two, three goals and then other teams scoring. Uh, like I, This is a team that is going to allow goals. I think we have to accept that. But can the Quakes put more at a higher uh, number, right? Because that's how you win games. You score more goals than the other team, right? I don't know. <laughs> but, Quick but, maths. Uh, but, I mean, the Quakes are going to have to really put some, put some goals in the net. That's what I'm getting at. And in MLS history, in recent history, the whatever you want to call it, the 3.0 era or transitioning from the 2 to 3.0 era, the teams that have those players and perform well tend to do well in the league. I'm thinking of like David Ferreira. Okay, for, for, for newer MLS fans, Jesus Ferreira's dad, when he came to, M- to FC Dallas back in like 2008, 2009, um, I'm talking about Javier Morales for RSL, Diego Valeri for the Portland Timbers, right? Um, there are certain players at that position that completely change the dynamic of the team and make it a winning team. Zala Rayan for Columbus Crew last season, right? As good as they were without him, they probably wouldn't have won the cup. As much right. as Dom Skipper on, from Quakes After 90 loves Yossi's artist, and I found <laughs> him too. I think he's a good player. Um, they don't win without Zala Rayan. Wow, so, it's tough um, being a Yossi Zardes stan on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, so it's tough, man. So so I hope the Quakes make a big signing and bring in a forward in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really going to help. But they need trophies to perform. The right. expectations have got to be high, and he has to meet them if the team is going to do anything this year. If, they, if they're going to make the playoffs, if they want to shoot for the MLS Cup, you know, or dare I say the supporter shield, like that's what, that's what they're going to need. They're going to need for that position to be the leading position on the team. The one that makes things happen. 
All right. So I think that's a really good way to end this uh, podcast. Thank you for your time today, Phil. Always appreciate the conversation. And this just got me even more pumped for the upcoming MLS season. And even if I'll be spending the next few days watching the soccer leagues that are available, uh, there's no replacing MLS. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you. Agreed, man. Thanks for having me on, Ivan. I really appreciate it. All right, that'll do it for us tonight with this uh, special episode of the Tectonic Takes podcast. We'll be having a few more of these where we talk to other of our friends in the Quakes community and preview this upcoming season because we all have some different perspectives of what we're looking for, and that's what makes this even more interesting. Like People bring up different things that I wouldn't have even considered if I didn't have these conversations or you may not have considered if you didn't listen to this. So I'm hoping you're enjoying it. Uh, have a great rest of your day or night whenever you listen to it. And take care and go Quakes.